Welcome back on into Philly Take with RB. RB here today. We're joined by a special guest here on the first day or the first official weekday of uh, NBA trade deadline week. I know it's going to come fast. A lot of different things to talk about. Obviously, today, uh, Joel and B went on the radio. So there's just a ton of things to get into. But um, welcome on in Harrison Grimm, Sixers writer for Liberty Ballers, does great things. Um, on his own as well. Definitely follow his Twitter at Harrison underscore Grimm. Um, really glad to have him on the show for the first time. Harrison, thanks for joining, man. How's everything going? It's going great. I, I really appreciate you having me on. And unfortunately, it's been a bit of a slow news week. I don't really know <laughs> what we're going to talk about. Right. I'm just kidding. But uh, lot, lots of topics to really talk about with the James Harden stuff, also with Joel Embiid, the current Sixers. So really happy to be here. Really happy to talk about it. Yeah, definitely appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, trade deadline week has to be like the best week ever, right? Like, you know, this is a drama driven league, I'd say. And it's like everything is just so slow building. And then as soon as you get to this week, it just it just absolutely explodes. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't really know what to expect. There's there's past trade deadlines where it seems like a bunch of stuff is going to go down and we're just kind of yeah. left empty handed. There's like the minor moves made. Um, and then you got this one where you got like a bunch of teams that are really looking to make some dramatic moves. You got the the Pacers, the Kings, all these teams, not even like just the Sixers or the Nets. There's just so much smoke going on everywhere. Um, it really is lining up. Uh, to look like an eventful trade deadline. And we also got that Norman Powell deal uh, a few days ago. So hopefully it's an eventful trade deadline, uh, especially for the Sixers. Yeah, it's going to be huge, man. Uh, we have a ton of trade things to get into. I can't wait to hear your perspective. I know you get um, you know, a lot of the inside information. You do a lot of great work. Um, first and foremost, though, it's like the biggest story of the day, though. You know, Joel B goes on the radio, 97.5 Mike Missinelli show, and... Um, I thought he had a great interview. You know, Daryl Morey went on a couple weeks ago. He was, you know, just open about everything. I didn't expect our president of operations to be so open uh, in his conversations. And then Joel Embiid, you know, Mike did a great job droning with the questions. And I mean, Embiid just, you know, he opened up about two five about the entire situation. Uh, game seven, we'll read off some quotes. But overall, I know you heard the interview. I just want to get your you know, preliminary thoughts. Like, what did you think about the interview? Um, did you learn anything new? And did anything surprise you? Yeah, so I'll be honest, a lot of it didn't. Uh, I feel like a lot of what Joel said, though, is very truthful and meaningful. I think he truly does believe that this current team and this current roster can win. Uh, I, I definitely believe he's confident in that. Now, whether they can or cannot, I'll leave that opinion to you. Uh, but I thought it was all really interesting. I also thought Mike uh, did a good job just kind of asking these questions. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was it was really funny when, when he asked the James Harden question and Joel's like, eh, you know, like it, it would be great to uh, play with play with a, a player of that caliber. And yeah. uh, it was really funny when he was uh, alluding to, I forget what the actual question was, but it was something along the lines of, um like would you trade yourself to whatever team and he was like well what team would it be and it was like the denver nuggets and he was like no like let's <laughs> let's do the warriors so he wouldn't get traded for Jokic. uh but but overall like it, it was an interview that i think um kind of set the tone for the trade deadline where you got the sixers franchise player coming out saying he's comfortable with this roster saying he is having fun and i legitimately do believe that that he's having fun it, it definitely looks like it on the court um, and also just off the court with with what he's been communicating uh, through media sessions. So uh, it, it's what I'm sure the Sixers front office wanted him to say. And and I think a lot of it is truthful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a hard situation for him to be in. You know, I feel like Joel's that guy. He never says too much, but he never says too little. He always kind of like hangs in the balance. Um, and shout out to everybody in the chat, by the way. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. We got a special guest on here. Harrison underscore Grim. Definitely follow him. Um, back to your point about, uh, the whole Steph Curry thing. I thought, I actually thought that was hilarious too. That was probably like my favorite part of the interview. Um, and 
I felt like in a way when when Mike came out and, and drove him with that right away, I feel like he, without saying the actual words, I feel like J, uh, Joel Embiid was pretty much alluding to, I I want to play with a, a player uh, you know of that caliber. Like he's I what I forget exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of you know that's like asking me what I want to play with Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. Like yeah, you know, and and he said I can't really answer that, but Kevin Durant's a great player. He's playing well. Steph Curry, James Harden, like, I felt like in some ways Joel was kind of nagging the Sixers, but then again, he always backs it up and he says, you know, I don't want to put myself in that conversation. I don't want to really, you know, barge on what the Sixers plans are, which I guess is a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing as well. What is, what is your take on that? Should Joel have more say in, you know, what, what the Sixers front office decides to do? It's tough to say because we've seen examples of uh, players having pool within organizations where it can lead to some good things and some bad things. And one of the most uh, recent and notable examples of, of a bad situation was the Lakers with LeBron kind of telling them like, hey, like, let's go get Russ instead of Buddy Heald and in and, and that situation. So ultimately, I think it's, it's a good thing. And I'm saying that it's a good thing strictly because Daryl Morey's in charge. He knows what he's doing. He's a really smart guy. Um, and Joel trusts him. And, and I think he should just based off of his, based off of his track record alone. Uh, so for the Sixers and just their situation as a whole, I think it is a good thing. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you on that. Um, obviously, he can't really like overstep any boundaries, you know, especially with the trade deadline coming up. Um, the other big part of the interview, which I mean, I guess you could say it opened some eyes, but I wouldn't really expect anything less from Joel, just being brutally honest. He said it himself, I am honest, I speak the truth. Um, but they were pretty much asked, you know, after game seven, the the reactions, the response from 2-5, how he kind of went about the situation, where we're at at this point in time. They pretty much said, you know, is that unreasonable? Like, are, are those actions overblown? And he said, yeah, absolutely, that's unreasonable. I'm glad he kind of put that out there on the forefront um, and then he went to talk about how, you know, he even said, like, I was bad. I needed to get better. Tyrese Maxey needed to get better. Tobias Harris needed to get better. And he pointed to everybody. And then I don't know if you caught this as well, but it, to me, it almost sounded like Joel was saying, like, there has to be something else going on because for for everything to blow over like it did. And he talked about the comments and how Doc Rivers, you know, had their backs all year and how Joel didn't really point out names. But he said, you know, like for all this to happen over a postgame press conference, you know, a couple comments. And here we are 51 games into a season and and you're still not playing with the team. It almost sounded like Joel was like, I I don't even know. It's it's to a a different level at this point that he just couldn't explain. What do you what is your take on that? Yeah, I I think Joel has a point. Um, Now, I can't speak for Ben. I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes with him um, or or last season for that matter. I'm not going to act like I do. Uh, But if you're just looking at those post-game comments made after Game 7, Joel has a point. I I don't think that Doc Rivers' comments – and I've been fairly critical of Doc Rivers, but – those comments, I, I I don't think deserve the reaction that they got from Ben's side. I think everyone after that Game 7 loss was shell-shocked a little bit. They were shocked. I know the fan base certainly was. Um, and you can only imagine how it is for the team itself because you're going into this series. Uh, the Sixers up until that point performed well. They looked great. And, and you just kind of lose a, a game that was extremely winnable. Trey Young didn't play well that game. Keep that in mind. So. I think the team was really shocked. And at the end of the day, these guys are humans. Uh, So Doc Rivers kind of, I I don't even think he answered it in in a way that wasn't necessarily bad. Like he was just like, honestly, I don't know right now. And I think that's a fair reaction to have in the moment. Um, And and Joel did have a point in, in what he said in today's interview. He was like, I didn't call out Ben specifically. Right. Uh, I, I believe the question was like, where did the game kind of shift tides? Where, where did the momentum change? And Joel was like, uh, when we pass up that dunk or, or something along those lines. Um, and let's face it, like when that moment happened, everyone was kind of just like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think Joel has a point that th- those comments just in a vacuum, not entertaining the the whole how Ben was almost traded for James last year and and all other factors 
that's that's really not much to really upset someone. So it, it does make you think like, okay, what what's going on behind the scenes? Is Ben being told something or what exactly is happening? So I, I definitely think Joel had a point with that. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, honestly, with the way that I feel about the situation, you know, I've ranted on and on and on about it. But, you know, just your quick take on like, this whole situation, like to, to me, especially with Joel, again, coming out today and still even going the length to say, you know, we would welcome him if he wanted to come back. You know, I'm here. I've tried to reach out. I've tried to do these things. You know, even in, in the quote I was referencing earlier, he said, you know, everybody makes mistakes. We're human. Like, even though I don't like Joel saying some of those things, it's true. Like, and it just shows his leadership and his presence and just how he's willing to do anything to win. And, and that's what he said. Um, but, you know, the, the crazy thing to me is like, you know, here we are. And, and it's like 2-5 looks even more selfish at this point. He looks to, to an even a, a different level of selfishness because, honestly, this team is is not that far off, in my opinion. Like, they're they're not just some undergraded team just because one player is in here. And that's, you know, a $30 million uh, salary slot that we're playing without this entire season. And here we are still competing. We're still fighting every night. So it's like. You know, I, I just I think that this situation like something else has had to have happened here because, you know, we even heard like the rumors they tried to go and visit this and that like and Joel kind of hinted at this like, you know, not everybody can really take pressure the same way from the fans. You think uh, kind of that has anything to do with it? It, it might. And I, I think when you look at Ben's situation as a whole, you know, it, it's tough to kind of pinpoint an exact point of reference where you can definitively say this is why he's requesting a trade like if you remember in the summer when we first initially got that report uh they just said like he wants to change the scenery so, yeah. some pr type stuff and then all of a sudden he gets shifted and it's like oh but he's mad at ben and doc and eventually they took the mental health stance which they're still kind of doing that and it, it's really tough when you're just constantly switching around these reasons for uh, a trade request to really understand it and you know it, it's one thing if ben just wants his own team or if he wants a larger role there's plenty of players in, in nba history that have wanted that you know to grow their own brand to to kind of expand their careers um and and while sixers fans might be mad at that and justifiably so ben ben can have a right to come out and say that um now, we've seen just so many reasons now that it, it's just really tough to understand one. Uh, but most most importantly, I, I think what Clutch has been doing has been trying to, like, give the public kind of an inside look, trying to gain some sympathy. Um, and we were just constantly switching around these reasons and and stating some of these reasons to, to the point where it's gotten a little bit silly. Um, and the public isn't sympathizing with you at this point. They're making fun of you. Yeah. Uh, so just the entire approach that has been taken has just been really detrimental. And it, it's unfortunate for Ben um, in, in the situation that he is now. Yeah, it's definitely been all over the place. I agree with you 100%. Shout out to my guy, uh, Seth Rowe, the $2 donation. says, love your work, Harrison and RB. Keep it up, bros. Seth, appreciate you, man. Shout out. We got 200 plus in the chat. Give us your thoughts as well. Um, yeah, definitely an interesting presser from Joel Embiid. Also interesting about the timing of it. Like similar with Daryl Morey, how he went three weeks before the trade deadline and Joel decides to come on just a few days before. Um, I thought that was interesting as well. Um, but, you know, you, you talk about it, it. It's a bad relationship. Um, I want to get your take as we're going to move on here into the whole um, I guess explosion of rumors today, like, you know, woke up 8 a.m. And <laughs> I mean, there's already three reports out. There was probably about five to 10 reports today. Um, and ah, we were just talking about this off screen before. But like, you know, this isn't like a superstar trying to go, you know, to a contender like this is we're talking about two perennial contenders in the Eastern Conference right now. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And you know, we're already in unprecedented waters as it is. Um, and here we are, we find ourselves three days before the trade deadline. And and not only is it like Sixers fans and Nets fans going back and forth and Joel Embiid and 
James Harden people. And then you have Shams reporting that the Sixers could be interested in, in Harden up to the deadline. And then you have Woj coming back right on him and saying, you know, no. Um, the report today is that Daryl Morey had a conversation with Sean Marks a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, he just was not interested at all. But now the Nets are on an eight-game losing streak. They're in the play-in tournament. And I just feel like it's been a whole whirlwind. I don't know what to believe anymore. But what is your initial take on, like, where this thing has gone? And with a few days leading up, what are your – just your main thoughts on the situation? Yeah, I'm, I mean, there's a saying where, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, and with this James Harden situation, there's quite a bit of smoke. And we've seen it kind of progressively grown over the past few weeks. Originally, it was kind of just like, yeah, the Sixers want him, but obviously Brooklyn's trying to win. They want to maintain him, as they should. Um, now we're, we're at this point where, like you said today, we got bombarded with reports. I don't even think I had a chance to read through all the reports and all the podcasts. Right. Um, and you got different people saying different things. Like you got the ringer guys saying like, or not really saying, but alluding to that there's conversations happening right now between it. You got Woj saying this isn't even a real thing. And, and you got the Shams report saying that they're going to pursue it. So, you know, th these are all notable people. Like th yeah. these are all people that typically are spot on, uh, not Bill Simmons, but Kevin O'Connor, Shams. Woj, all these people, these are people you can trust. So obviously there's something going on um, that has happened in the past few weeks or the past month or two where uh, the net seemed good. Kevin Durant goes down and, and now James Harden's down with a hamstring injury. Um, and it's just really interesting to see. Uh, you got the situation that, that the Nets were in just a few months ago and you're like, man, they are stacked. They got role players. They have three elite shot makers. They're shooing for the title. And, and all of a sudden, everything that has gone wrong has gone wrong. Um, so my personal take on it is there is something there. I, I do think that um, I got to be careful with my wording here. I, I do think that James Harden is eyeing other destinations. I, I do think that's a legitimate thing. I just don't know for sure if all that's going to come to fruition in the next three days. Because keep in mind, like trades take a long time to execute. Mm -hmm. And the more players you put into a deal, the more teams you involve, the longer it's going to take. This, this whole thing, it seems like really kind of caught fire in the last week, if I'm being generous. So yeah. is there even enough time between then and now to get a deal done? Uh, especially with both teams believing that they have full leverage um, yeah. over the situation. So you're talking about two sides that are on polar opposite sides thinking they should get more and they got to meet in the middle to get a deal done. Um, and I think the Sixers are legitimately interested in getting James Harden and getting a deal done so you can have a shot this season. Um, but I also think they're comfortable waiting until the deadline. Uh, do you really want to give up more now just to just to get James Harden for half a year? We've seen in the past where that's come to to bite teams. Uh, when Carmelo forced his way out of Denver, New York gave up a ton when they probably could have got him in free agency. Yeah. So I, I think it's real. The, the noise is certainly loud enough to think that there is something going on. Um, it's just a matter of, is that going to come to fruition in the next, however many hours? Yeah. You bring up a re honestly, you bring up like three good points there. Uh, the first is like, you know, if there wasn't anything going on, would these conversations really be prolonging like they are? I, I think it would have, you know, came and went as they would say. Um, but you know, you heard the whole collusion thing and then you hear this, it's like a really interesting story. Um, and you make another really good point, but real quick, shout out to Duncan with a $5 donation. Says it took five minutes for Gina Davis to get her sister traded from the peaches or yeah. Why is it taking so long for Ben? Um, I mean, this, this is a tough, this to me, this is a never before seen situation. Like you can't draw this one up where we are at, where we thought we would be at months ago. We thought, you know, there'd just be a, a swirl of teams and, and it would, kind of be like an auction uh, in some way, but here we are and it, it's getting tough, man. It's getting tough. But to the point that you bring up about, you know, waiting now versus giving more, getting more at the end of the season, I need to get your take on this because I've been going back and forth, John with people. Um, 
I, I personally think Joel Embiid is just playing too good right now. And we've seen time and time again, it is unknown about Joel Embiid. You know, he, he has a lot of bad falls. He has a lot of scary moments. And if we are to wait, like, I, I do think that you can bank on Joel. He seems to be in the best shape of his career. I think you can bank on that. But for me, I guess my competitive nature, like the Eastern Conference is wide open right now. So in your eyes, how do you view the situation if you if you are Daryl Moore, if you're the Sixers front office? Like, do you think we need to go and push all in right now? Or do you think are are you content with saying, okay, we'll compete the rest of the season, see how it goes, and we're gonna bank on getting a guy like James Harden in the offseason? What do you think? It's tough. I've honestly switched stances multiple times uh, just because I believe that if Ben Simmons is a sixer past, what is it, 3 p.m. on Thursday, I think that there is a plan in place. I think there is a reason he will still be a sixer at that point. Um, They have something lined up for the offseason, and if that's the case, then it's all good. But at the same time, you're right. Uh, Joel is only in his prime for however many years. He turns 28 uh, next month in March. So. As time has gone on this season and we've seen Joel not only just kind of play at an elite level, but he's playing at a better level uh, than we saw last season, which is kind of shocking just considering where he was last year. He was an MVP candidate. He probably would have won MVP if he didn't get hurt. And now he's been better than that. So it kind of changes a lot. And and also you got guys stepping up, most notably Tyrese Maxey, who uh, is putting up the numbers that I kind of expected him to, but he's definitely shown some midseason growth playmaking wise, and he's taken a huge jump just shooting wise. He's shooting around forty percent midway through the year, which is really incredible stuff. So that changes a lot, and it changes a lot of your outlook. Um, so whether or not it's James Harden, I do think you need to make a move. Um, this team really needs with or without a James Harden trade, they really need playable two-way wings. Uh, that's a big area that they really need to focus on. Because right now, you have Matisse Thibel, amazing defensively. Offensively, he's just a liability. That's just how it is right now. You have Furkin kind of having the roughest year of his career, probably offensively, and obviously he's not a defensive stopper. So at that point, you're realistically relying on Danny Green, who is a good two-way player, and he's been good this season but he just hasn't stayed healthy Um, and he's getting up there in age. And if that's who you're relying on for a full 48 minutes in the playoff, I don't think you're necessarily in a good situation. Uh, So I think ultimately whether or not you deal Ben, you have to pursue something like that. But going back to your question at hand, it it definitely seems like the Sixers will make a move. I, I think they will personally. Just because I, I've been reading kind of some of Daryl's past interviews, and there's a quote, um, I'm going to misquote it, but it was something along the lines like, if you have a 5% chance at winning a title, you have to go all in and get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll tell you right now, with, with how the East is looking, the East is, has gotten better, first and foremost. But you're right in saying that the Sixers might have the best player. They might have the MVP right now. And if you do... You kind of want to start pushing in your chips or pushing all your chips uh, to give him the best chance possible. Uh, so a short answer to what was ultimately a long response. I do think that the Sixers would be wise to kind of move off of Ben Simmons. And if that's not a James Harden trade, that's OK. There's other ways that they can kind of push the can down the road um, and, and keep those assets, whether it's getting a bunch of draft picks and maybe a role player or two. I, I think Brooklyn would be really interested in that if you are lining up for James Harden, that is, because Brooklyn doesn't have any of their first round picks. Yeah. So I do I do think that they would be wise to to go all in for sure. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And I think in my estimation that, you know, like you said, a two way wing or just another athletic ball handler or a guy that can do it on both sides of the floor. The Sixers need those type of guys. I feel like Danny Green has been playing out of position since he got here. I feel like we've needed the wing and that's been probably our biggest concern for some, for some time. And honestly, that's what we thought two five could end up being, uh, but he did not um, on the offensive end, but you know, it, it just, it pushes the question like, you know, where do you view this team? Like, could we get some potential role players back? Could we get some future assets maybe that we could flip? Like, I feel like Daryl Morey 
you know, even if we make a trade and it's not James Harden, I feel like Daryl could definitely maneuver this roster going into the offseason. But, you know, can this team honestly have a shot if they go make a trade and, and pick up some pieces? Like, Joel has been that good. You just spoke to how great he's been. He's been unbelievable. And you could argue with not having a guy on the floor who can't really do much on offense in terms of scoring the ball, like, that's made him get even better. And, and that just, you know, speaks to really his greatness and stuff and his will. Um, but but do you think that the Sixers, depending on what happens here, like say they make a move, you know, just like a, a decent move, get some role players, like do you think we honestly have a shot uh, at going all the way? Going all the way, I, I would lean towards no, just because you, you look at Tyrese Maxey, who's arguably been the second best player on this team. He certainly has in moments. Um, and, and the experience just isn't really there. Um, and that's not his fault at all. He's just a young guy. Um, and, and you just kind of go down the roster and you're like, is Danny Green good enough to be starting? And I love Seth Curry. He's a great fit with Tyrese and Joel. But defensively, I, I don't love that backcourt. I feel like they can really have some issues with that in the postseason. So as constructed right now, they're, they're probably second round exit. Um, and, and if you had a role player, too, I, I think ultimately that's that's where you're at. So. Right now, as constructed, I, I would lean towards no. Obviously, if you get James Harden or if you get something out of a Ben Simmons trade, that could change very quickly. Just real quick, you know, a lot of these Sixers fans are really, like, dropping my jaw today. You know, I, I thought it was a joke at first, but there, there's people out here saying Seth Curry is untouchable. They're saying Matisse Thibel is untouchable. I get the whole thing with Tyrese Maxey. Honestly, I don't want to give him up. I think if you could somehow get a guy like James Harden, even if it's in the offseason, and you have a core of Tyrese Maxey. You spoke to how great he's already playing in his second year. The kid has star written all over him. Tyrese Maxey, say James Harden, for example, and Joel Embiid. That core could be deadly for years. Um, is there, you know, who are the untouchables on this team in your mind? Um, and please don't say Seth Curry. <laughs> I'm just going to well, 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 I won't. Uh you know, two guys come to mind for me personally, and I'll, and I'll explain the one because the other one's obvious. It's Joel, and they're not going to trade him, nor should they. Um, but I do agree that that Tyrese Maxey with, with James Harden talks, uh, just speaking strictly with, with this James Harden situation, uh, shouldn't be put into a trade. Um, and I, I honestly don't think they'll need to if it comes down to it. If this Harden stuff is real and if they somehow get a deal done in between now and Thursday, I don't think you'll necessarily need to put Tyrese Maxey into the deal. And here's why. Because if you look at James Harden when he was originally traded from Houston, he had more value then than he does now, right? Yeah. He was a better player at that point. He also had a longer contract span. Now he's an expiring deal. He has a player option for $47 million, so he could opt out. Um, so his contract length is shorter. He's gotten a step slower. He's still really good. I, I don't want to say like he's a bad player because he's incredible still, yeah. but I, I don't think you need to put Tyrese Maxey who's gotten better, right? Like last season as a rookie, he was kind of labeled as a promising prospect, I guess. Uh, I'll, I'll right. put that label on him last season. He's better now. He, he solidified himself as at bare minimum, like the low floor. He's a capable starter. Um, and he's someone that that is barely old enough to drink alcohol. So <laughs> it, I don't understand a world where they would need to put Tyrese Maxey, who's gotten better, in for a trade for James Harden, who's gotten worse and is on a shorter contract. Um, and and I think that we've seen growth between Tyrese and Joel throughout the season, and that's great to see. So I would say Joel is untouchable. I would say Tyrese is untouchable for for James Harden talks. Uh, but when it comes to Matisse, who I love, and, and Seth, who is a very good player, I, I think if push comes to shove, you you can't be like, no, those guys are off the table. Um, and, and it's painful to say, but we're talking about James Harden here. We're not talking about just some other NBA player. We're talking about a guy that's averaging 22, 10, and 8 in an off year. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, th those would be the two that I would say I'm not putting into a James Harden deal, and I don't think they'll need to uh, if it comes down to it. Yeah, I agree 100%. Shout out to uh, GB with the $20 donation. says, I'd rather trade for Kyrie than James Harden. Kyrie's the better player. 
younger and might not cost as much. I don't want to be paying Harden $60 million a year when he's 36 and 37 years old. Um, I mean, it's, it's I understand the take. I respect it. Me personally, if it came down to Kyrie the ball player, yeah, sign me up. But it's Kyrie the head case that I just can't deal with. We just had to deal with a guy like that. And there, there's just no saying with Kyrie. And it actually goes to something I wanted to comment about your point that you just made about Harden. You know, people want to, you know, talk down on Harden. They want to say he's lost a step. He's a quitter. I get his numbers look a little worse. For me, two things come up. And, and I don't understand why that has been the main narrative. Because number one, James Harden's been playing with Kevin Durant for a good portion of the season. Um, and he was the favorite for MVP before Joel Embiid ascended and Kevin Durant got hurt. So obviously your numbers may dip a little bit. Then we know the, the whole foul call thing and how James Harden likes to you know operate his game. But the other thing is like James Harden last year when he came to Brooklyn, he was motivated because he thought, okay, we're going to go all in. I want a chance to win the chip. And now due to other circumstances, you have a guy who you've only played 10 games with this year. And then Kevin Durant, I think the three of them have played like 16 games together. And I mean, I get it. It's kind of frustrating. And you look at the role players that you have out there. But um, what, what's your take on that whole thing? You know, the net situation and um, what, what, would you entertain Kyrie at all? I, I, I'll answer the Kyrie part because it's going to be a fairly short answer compared to the second question. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, just because you got the whole off-court stuff, the the, the anti-vax stuff, which is not ideal. Uh, but but like you said, Kyrie, the ball player, this is a guy that averaged 27 points a game on really efficient shooting. He's an incredible player. Um, and then you also have his contract situation where he's probably going to be a free agent too. So if you're giving me a choice of James Harden, who has shown – some interest in the Sixers and wanting to be a Sixer and wanting to play alongside Joel Embiid or Kyrie Irving, I, I'm definitely definitively taking James Harden. Um, and what was your second question again? Um, I guess just like, you know, what is your take on, on Harden and his, like his motivation level? Because I, I, I just truly feel like in some aspects, the wrong narrative is kind of being painted about him. Like, I feel like if he came to, you know, say a situation in Philly where he wanted to be here he was energized. He's thinking about the two-man game with Joel, you know, Maxi playing off ball. Like, I just feel like Harden last year was very motivated, and he looked good, honestly. Then he got to the playoffs, and he got hurt, which is a concern for sure. Um, but, you know, he loves Daryl Morey. Can't, you know, if he comes here, you're not going to deal with a guy like Kyrie, right? I mean, what what's your take on that? Yeah, so everything that has gone wrong for Brooklyn has gone wrong. Um, you, on one hand... I understand like the public's opinion where injuries happen and they're just out of everyone's control. Um, it's an unfortunate part of the game. So you can't control Kevin Durant going down. I think he had an MCL sprain, if I'm not mistaken. You can't control that. Um, and unfortunately, it is what it is. Uh, but what James Harden didn't sign up for is, is Kyrie Irving being a part-time player and just definitively taking a stance yeah. that he's not going to get vaxxed. So originally the Nets say like, all right, you're just not going to play. And they kind of backtracked that a bit. And they're like, well, we need your production with Kevin going down. So Kyrie is a part-time player is better than no time. Um, and, and I think that's where a lot of the issues have arisen. And I understand James Harden's point of view. Kyrie Irving has a ring. Kevin Durant has two. James Harden has none. He wants to win a ring, and he's willing to sacrifice to win a ring. Um, unfortunately, he just hasn't gotten that same dedication back from at least Kyrie Irving. I, I think Kevin Durant has held up his end. Like I said, injuries happen. It's unfortunate. Uh, but I totally understand why James Harden would feel some type of way about the Kyrie Irving situation because it's flat-out ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do sympathize with Harden in the Kyrie extent. Uh, not necessarily with, with I don't think there's much issues between him and Kevin or friction, but uh, so I, I'll take kind of a, a middle of the path answer with that. I, I, I respect it. I respect. Yeah. I think, I think we're kind of thinking on the same, uh, you know, path there. I, I mean, again, we just, we, we want a player that's going to be an impact player. That's going to make something happen. Um, it's going to get interesting, man. The next couple of days I'm expecting to hear, you know, 20 more rumors going both ways. Um, like you said, there it is a, a short time frame. It's a short window. Um, 
But before we get on to some other trade things, like if if I had to pin you down and ask you, is a trade, is 2-5 going to end up on another team or will he remain a sixer past the deadline? Like, is how about this? Your confidence level 1 out of 10 that he gets traded by Thursday, 3 p.m. It, that's such a tough question because my confidence level has continuously just gone up and down. And there's moments where it seems like, yeah, like it's going to happen. And yeah. then you get a report and they're like, they're nowhere close to a trade. So I'm more optimistic than the average uh, Sixers person that you will get dealt. But that being said, I think there's a lot of hurdles. And in, in doing these trades, you're talking about moving around massive salary. James Harden makes $44 million. Uh, ben Simmons makes 30 some million. Like these are big numbers to be moved around. Uh, so, you know, one out, one out of 10, um, 10 being that Ben is packing his bags to Brooklyn or, or somewhere else. I think right now I'm at about a four. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's more unlikely than likely right now, but that being said, the NBA landscape can change any moment. There could be a report. If James Harden asks out of Brooklyn, maybe he has already, maybe he hasn't. But if he definitively comes out and is like, I don't want to be here anymore, all of a sudden everything changes. Um, and, and your odds of, of trying to get him go way up. But right now, in this moment, on this night, I'm going to go with a 4 out of 10. All right, I respect that. I, I mean, it, it's a weird situation. You know, they, they said the other day that no team that has ever lost seven in a row has ever won the championship that year. They've now lost eight in a row. Uh, their supporting cast seems to be banged up. You got Blake Griffin saying that, you know, we have a high concern level. Um, as of right now, as it stands with the mandates, um, doesn't seem like Kyrie's going to be able to play home games in the playoffs. So it's like, I mean, it's a tough decision. Um, I don't know. I just don't know what to believe, but we'll see what happens uh, Thursday, 3 p.m. Shout to uh, Kenny with the $5 donation. Says Sixers don't have the ad Matisse style on a hardened trade. Nets have no leverage to ask for him in a deal. I understand a lot of people saying the Nets don't have any leverage, and we'll we'll make this the last point on this, but um, and shout out to Kenny. But you know, the Nets can say, like, you know, we're gonna keep James Harden, we're gonna try to go and win a title. Like Kevin Durant's gonna come back, he's gonna be a major impact on our team. So I don't think the Nets have zero leverage right now at this time. If this was was, you know, the summer and James Harden said, All right, packing my bags, see you later, like then I feel like they would be cornered. Now, I do think the Sixers have more leverage in this situation, but it's like, it's like, you know, where's the fine line between going too far and not going far enough, you know? And I feel like that really is like a huge point when it comes down to these last minute trades, you know, 2.30 p.m. and you're hearing, well, I mean, we, we saw it last year with the whole Kyle Lowry thing, right? And I mean, it's tough, man. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be just really interesting to see how it all plays out. Like I said, things can change at any moment. And with the volume of reports that we've gotten, today's Monday. Keep in mind, we are still multiple days away from the trade deadline. So we've gotten a ton of reports on Monday. And maybe it's just because it's Monday and people like drop in news and articles during the week. Or maybe that's just how chaotic this whole situation is, where people are, are scrambling for information and it's just going to be so interesting to see play out. And like I said, if James Harden comes out and is like, I don't want to be here, everything changes. And the urgency levels from, from both teams, Brooklyn and, and the Sixers, definitely goes way up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're definitely going to you know discuss it more as we go on. I want to get into like some potential bench pieces, other areas you think this team needs to improve on. Just one quick take, though, from you. Uh, is there a possibility Tobias Harris gets moved before the deadline? And what is your take on him and his play this year and how he's been operating as, I guess, the second option on this team? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd list him as the second option offensively. Um, Tobias, it's really been a roller coaster of a year. Last year, we saw just a really good version of him on, on both ends of the floor. He was making quick decisions. He was shooting 40% from three. He was really solid defensively, which is not what you expect out of him he held his own against a lot of good players uh Julius Randle is one that comes to mind this year it hasn't been as much of that we've seen a lot of just kind of on and off a lot of just kind of slower processing time of the overall game um and when Tobias is overthinking or, or taking too long to think it can lead to some questionable decisions and 
just overall questionable play. Uh, I will say he's been really good. He was really good in January. I believe he shot like high 40s in, in both um, three-point and, and overall field goal percentage. He was really solid in January, and now we're a little bit into February, and it's kind of fluctuating a bit. Yep. Uh, but the whole thing between him and the fans is just kind of really unfortunate to see play out. Uh, Tobias is a great guy. Yes, he is earning a ton of money. Is he overpaid? Absolutely. Uh, but he still is, at at the end of the day, a good player. Um, so do I think Tobias could get moved at the deadline? I, I think that's something that is very possible. I think more so than people realize. Uh, if James Harden doesn't get traded to the Sixers on Thursday, which is a very real possibility that very well could happen, the Sixers could very well look at the situation and be like, all right, let's free up cap space to go get James Harden or go get someone else. And Tobias is immediately that guy that they're going to look to. Uh, I saw Bleacher Report's Jake Fisher. He he was one of the many reports that surfaced today. And he kind of, it, it wasn't any sourced information, but he kind of alluded to Tobias possibly uh, going to OKC in a salary dump move. I believe OKC has a chance to kind of do one more of those moves before they have to start paying their guys, and, and they also have Kemba's contract on the books. Uh, but that was something he brought up as a possibility. Um, and when when you look at the Sixers and the Thunder, they have a history together. They've done multiple transactions together. Uh, Al Horford, they traded to OKC. They picked up George Hill at the trade deadline, which unfortunately didn't work out. But they picked up George Hill. So these front offices obviously have some center, synergy, um, and I wouldn't rule that out. And I think regardless of whether or not they get James Harden, I think that's something they very well are going to look at. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point, actually. Um, <clears throat> you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I think if it is indeed we're going to go make a trade and try to make something happen, I don't see a way Tobias would get moved in that circumstance. And I agree with you. I mean, he can still be a good, decent player. Um, but hopefully with the evolution of uh, of Maxi, you know, they, they kind of mesh better. Um, like, like you said, he, he's been getting better as the season goes on. Still up and down. We'll see what happens. Um, last thing we got to get to is, you know, obviously this whole trade situation has kind of overshadowed um, a lot of other things. And like you said earlier, um, this team does have more upgrades to make. Like they need to make uh, other additions as well. You know, you said we need more two-way wings. We need more talent. We need things like that. Um, so, Taking that trade, I know it's hard, but like taking that out of the equation right now, like what do you think this team needs other than that? What's the biggest secondary need? Um, and where do you want to see us upgrade at? If you were Daryl Morey, what would your kind of mindset be on that? Yeah, so uh, apart from James Harden trades, and I've harped a bunch on, on two-way wings, I think immediately the need that follows the, those two topics is a playmaking point guard. Uh, you have Tyrese Maxey, who's gotten better as a playmaker, and that's great to see. Uh, but still a huge ask out of someone that isn't traditionally a point guard. And, and the same can be said about Shake Milton. He's more of a, of a two with, with some good dribbling ability. Uh, so you really want to look at the Sixers and say, okay, let's go out and get a guard that can that can playmake, uh, do things for other people. And there's, there's a few guys that I, I think are available for the right price. You got... Boston's Dennis Schroeder. Now, the downside to trading for him is he's almost certainly going to be a rental. So are you willing to trade draft picks, whether that's a first or a second, and probably Furkan Korkmaz for a rental? You know, I'll I'll let you answer that question. And and there's other guys out there, too. Uh, Houston's DJ Augustine, he's getting kind of up there in age, but he would be a great third point guard, potentially. Uh, but I think the, the need for a playmaking point guard significantly goes down if you bring James Harden into the mix. Now, if you don't get James Harden and your goal is to give Joel Embiid a realistic shot in this coming postseason, I think that's absolutely an area that they need and that they're certainly going to look at. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, uh, another team that I was actually looking at that I thought would be interesting before a couple days ago was the Clippers. Um, I was really intrigued by both Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson. And I thought at one point the Clippers were just going to try to sell some of those pieces off, get some assets, and then kind of go all in. But then here we are. They get Norman Powell, who, by the way, 
I don't know what you think about it, but I thought that was like one of the biggest steals I've seen in a long time. Uh, Norman Powell, Covington for what the Blazers got back. Um, that is a tumultuous situation there. But anyway, um, you know, the Clippers I looked at, I've been thinking about maybe the New York Knicks selling off a couple vets. Uh, there's been, you know, different pieces, but I'm in 100% agreement with you about the backup point guard role. Um, to be honest with you, I'm tired of having these bench guys, you know, year after year that one, you can't count on them to stay on the floor. And two, it, they're just not consistent enough. Like as much as Furkan's a great guy, he just isn't it. He's He can't be your backup point guard every night. I've been saying this for years now. Like this team needs a 10 to 12 point per game score off the bench and they need a guy that can set them up as well. Um, you know, the, the guys that come to my mind, you know, like a Lou Williams type of player, just someone like that where you could just put them in and they're an instant spark, you know, and I thought Maxi was actually going to kind of be that this year, but he got even better. He's, you know, ended up being a great starter for us already. Um, but, you know, in, in my mind, like George Niang and Andre Drummond are really the only solidified guys on this bench. And I really do think Daryl Morey has to go out and get something done because obviously he tried last year. I was an advocate for George Hill. It just didn't work out. Um, mm -hmm. So do you think we're actually going to bring, uh, a, you know, a piece in like that? And what do you think about like a potential sharpshooter as well? Yeah, I, I think these are all areas that I'm sure Daryl is coming through right now. He, he's someone that he's going to do a deal unless you're someone like Joel Embiid or to a certain extent Tyrese Maxey. He's going to do a deal that puts his team in the, in the best spot possible. Um, I saw someone mention this in the comments, but Eric Bledsoe is a really interesting guy, not necessarily as a trade target, just because I don't think they have the money to, to really make it work salary matching wise. Uh, but assuming like he's moved from, from Portland, uh, bought out from Portland, he's someone that I think makes a lot of sense. He's someone that can run the offense. He's a capable defender. Sure. He's kind of lost a step or two, but I think he's a serviceable rotation player and, and what he might be one of the better names on the buyout market. So he's someone that I like a lot for sure. Um, and, and like I said, the whole need for a point guard goes down quite a bit if, if you need, or if you get James Harden, I should say, uh, I'm just reading through the comments that these, these guys are mentioning good comments. Uh, Schroeder. Yeah. Schroeder. He fills that, that role that you were talking about of just bringing someone off the bench to go get buckets. Uh, you're talking about someone who I forget if he actually won it or not, but he was in the running for six man of the year. Uh, so, you know, just kind of putting together a fun theoretical situation. Let's say the Sixers do trade Firkin in a second rounder for Dennis Schroeder and then flip to bias for expiring deals in an OKC deal. All of a sudden you can pay Dennis Schroeder. So these are all different possibilities that can play out with or without a James Harden trade. And I'm sure the Sixers are going to be looking very closely at them. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Um, someone in the chat here, I guess a Knicks fan. Um, and then I got slander for this recently, but I would love Alec Burks back on this team. I was a big fan <laughs> of him when he was here. Alec Burks, Stan, I'll never forget, you know, how he was heating up in the playoffs for us. I know he's had a tough year and tough go about it. Honestly, the Knicks are just in a weird, weird situation, but, uh, would you ever have any interest in bringing Alec Burks back? I I really liked Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson when they bought them in. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Again, it's kind of funny matching his salary number. You're yeah. looking at, I think, just memory. He's making around 9 to $10 million, So you're probably looking at Firkin and Niang or, or Danny Green just to match salary. So it gets a little bit funky there. Uh, but I, I wouldn't certainly not be opposed to it. I'm not sure if he enjoyed his time while he was here. He was only here for half a year. Um, but but what I would look forward to is seeing how quickly he got to Philly if they did trade for him midseason because that, that was kind of the running thing is they took like a week to get here. Yeah, they really did. Yeah, and, and then they didn't even know their role for uh, another couple weeks. So, um, yeah, T talk about left field comment that was from from Glenn Robinson. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I, I wish I really wish we would have brought Alec Burks back at the time, but he was just, you know, he I think at that time it was like six million and it was just a little bit too much for us. Um, then you had the whole thing with Trey Burke and, you know, he went on somewhere else. So I don't know. We just we need a creator, man. We need a creator uh, off the bench. Um, a lot of these young guys, they Doc doesn't really, you know, 
he doesn't really favor towards the young guys. Um, and that, and that's another thing I'd love to hear your take on in terms of Doc Rivers. Um, because I, you know, I said something the other day and it kind of resonated with some people. Even if we go and make a huge trade, like come playoff time, I'm I'm starting to get actually a bit worried about Doc Rivers and his lack of adjusting and just this team being on a right mindset in in a playoff series. What do you think about that? Yeah, the the whole Doc discourse, I understand both sides of it. Um, on one hand, the Sixers are performing well with what they have. They're a top six seed. They're they're kind of fluctuating a whole lot just because the East is so crowded up top. Uh, but but they're in the running. They're not far off from the one seed. They could very well successfully win out the year and become the one seed. Uh, but at the same time, there have been moments where you're just looking at the rotations. You're, you're looking at these lineups where, like, like last night, for example, last night they played the Bulls. Perkins' first game back in a while from a, a leg injury of some kind. He was tasked to guard DeMar DeRozan, uh, which wasn't great. I, I get Matisse is out and, and some other guys are out, but that's not great, one. And, and two, you got him running full-time backup point guard with the reserved unit, which Perkin this year, he's just been a kind of a mess, and it's sad to see play out. Um, and, and you also got other issues with Doc, not staggering Tyrese Maxine Joel Embiid's minutes. For what reason? I'm not really sure. Because that's something that should have been an adjustment a few months ago, in my opinion. Um, so I, I think ultimately when it comes to coaching in the NBA, this is just kind of my overall take on coaches around the NBA. Unless you got someone like Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich, one of those elite coaches, which right now I think there's maybe one or two of those guys. I, I don't necessarily think it makes that much of a difference. I think as long as you're winning, which the Sixers are doing to a certain extent. And as long as your franchise player likes playing for him, which Joel has has shown no signs that he doesn't like playing for Doc Rivers, I think that's what ultimately matters. Now, if the Sixers fizzle out, especially if, like, let's say they trade for Harden and they just fizzle out or they stay as constructed and losing the first round in bad fashion. I think they might look at doc rivers in, in a different light and kind of reevaluate some things. But yeah. uh, ultimately I, I think the doc stuff is a little overblown. I know the rotations are really frustrating. Trust me. I get that. Some of the post game comments are also kind of questionable comparing him to, to Greg Popovich. I'm putting it lightly. Uh, but, but overall I, I think doc is fine for the time being. Yeah. I, I I think I would side towards you as well for now, um, even though it does get frustrating. Shout out to David with the $10 donation. says, we need good role players and got to get a playmaker, man, and get 2-5 the F out of here. Yes, sir, in the chat for a great stream. Yes, sir, David, shout out to you, man. Appreciate uh, the support, man. Um, yeah, we, we we need to fill out the roster, and we we can't overlook holes. You know, I, I feel like Daryl – I could honestly see a couple trades happening um, – you know, maybe not the biggest names, but I could see him trying to fill some gaps. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. We still got 300 plus in here. Shout out to you guys. Um, two more things I want I want to ask you. One came up, and I honestly, it slipped my mind, but do you think Bradley Beal could end up becoming available at all? It's been like one of the most talked about things for a couple of years now. I love Bradley Beal. I think he'd be the perfect fit on this team, but it, it just it's disappointment every time. Like I, I expect him. I'm like, okay, this is the time Beal's gonna one out, and then he doesn't. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean Bradley Beal, I, I think he's a tier right below James Harden. I think James Harden still is a better player than him, especially this season. Beal's kind of um he's having a weird off year considering there there's more widespread talent on the roster than there was last year. Last year they were top heavy with, with Westbrook and, and Beal. Um, but, but Bradley Beal would be a phenomenal target and, and he's someone that they should absolutely target if he is available. Um, up until this point, there's really been no inclination that that's going to happen or I, I don't think it's going to happen just from a financial standpoint, because if Washington's willing to shell out a super max deal to him, why would you for forfeit that going to another team? Why not just take the contract and then ask out? Yep. So Bradley Beal, they should absolutely be targeting him. Uh, the Wizards' situation has been—I I call them the Blazers East because they're a team that 
just needs to rip the Band-Aid off and just kind of reset, and they just haven't. And I don't think they will this season either. There, there's rumors that they're really interested in DeMontis Sabonis. So from a front office standpoint, I think they would be better off moving off of Beal. Like you, if you can get go get Ben Simmons for four years, if you don't want to bottom out, that's a great option for you. Yeah. Um, or if you want to just fully tear it down and reset, I understand that too. I, I'm not excited about shelling out a super max deal to Bradley Beal to be a play-in team. If I'm if I'm the owner personally, yeah. uh, but obviously from Beal's side, he wants to be loyal. He, he wants to stay there. So ultimately, I think this trade deadline will be huge in determining Bradley Beal's future there. If the Wizards go out and just kind of stay as is or trade away some of their productive role players, it's it's not going to look good for Bradley Beal. But if they kind of mortgage their draft future and trade away some guys for Sabonis, I think that's kind of proving to Bradley Beal and he might re-up there. But either way, it makes more sense for him to stay a wizard, re-sign there, and then just kind of figure out everything later on. Yeah, and he loves Washington. So, I mean, I don't yep. think there's any concern there. Uh, GB with the $10 donation, appreciate it a lot. It says, thoughts on acquiring Josh Hart, Kenrich, Williams, or Deshaun Tate for wing depth? I like KJ Martin as well. Are we likely to make any around the edge moves that don't include Ben? I'll let my guy Harrison uh, take that one. Yeah, absolutely. So those are all great players you mentioned. Great, great two-way talent. I couldn't see Houston moving off of Jay Sean Tate or KJ Martin yet. They're, they're both young players that have shown a lot of promise, uh, especially where they were picked. Those are Those are their kind of picks, and front offices take a lot of pride in their picks, just like the Sixers do with Tyrese Maxey. Uh, but I think you have a lot more realistic names with Josh Hart and, and Kenrich Williams, um, who I think are both actively being shopped as we speak. I think you could get either of those guys for a first-round pick. Uh, Kenrich Williams is a name that I like a lot. He's someone that is an above-average shooter, capable defensively, also on contract for next season for $2 million. So he got a very team-friendly deal. Just not sure if I would give up a first-rounder for him. Uh, Josh Hart is a name that I really like, and he's not quite the shooter that Kendrick is. He's actually quite a bit worse, but you got a guy that's kind of a Swiss army knife defensively, very switchable. I know that term gets overused a lot, but it's very true. Uh, also one of the best rebounders for his size. You're talking about a guy that's averaging nearly eight rebounds this season. Also averaged seven last year, terrific rebounder. And we both know, and, and the chat knows that this team struggles quite a bit with rebounding. Uh, so Josh Hart is a name that I really like. Um, he's someone that, especially in like a James Harden trade, if you're able to like hang on to Danny Green and, and keep his salary and kind of flip him to New Orleans with a pick for Josh Hart, yeah. that's a really intriguing piece to have around James Harden. So I would say Hart and Williams are definitely the most likely out of that group that you mentioned. Um, would definitely be interested in Williams if the Thunder come down on their asking price. Yeah, I would I would take Josh Hart uh, in a heartbeat, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> you know, being a Nova guy, like Josh Hart can ball, man, and Villanova produces um, really good quality players, and we see them all around the league. I think I do think Williams is going to get moved as well. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely take Josh Hart, and who knows? You know, you could swing some assets in there, like you said. Um, Duncan with the five dollar donation says it's frustrating. Is there any possible mathematical cosmic Star Wars way to get rid of Ben? Come on, man, dude. People are, people are at their boiling point, and I think I am too. Um, and I think that's why I want to see something get facilitated here. You know, just in the situation we're at, like I'm tired of pushing and waiting. You know, because at the end of the last off season, it was all right. At the trade deadline, here's where we're at. Now we're at the trade deadline. All right, now it's next off season, and then. We get to next all season, things may not go the way we want them to, and then it's all right, next trade. You know what I mean? And I just don't feel like the value is like spiking in any way. And I, you know, this has been like a personal, I guess, hot take of mine, but there's just there's just more off the court stuff going on. Like I I could honestly see this boiling to a point where he just doesn't come back at all. And who knows? Like, I mean, it, it could get really bad with the league. Obviously, they're not doing anything now, but like this is this is a weird situation. I don't think he's coming back. You, know, you could give him five hundred million dollars. He's not coming back. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, the the whole Ben situation is a situation that we have yet to really see play out. Where you got a guy kind of in the first year of his extension, and 
he's already asking out. That that typically doesn't happen. That that usually takes another year or two for that to to come to fruition. So I, I know teams are, are really kind of concerned about that becoming a trend. You know, the NBA is a league where things trend. So it's really going to be interesting to see how this whole saga wraps up whenever that is, whether that's on Thursday or in the summer, or even past that it's just really fascinating to see play out. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be crazy. Last thing I, I want to ask you, you know, just besides the trade stuff, like is Joel and be the MVP of the league? Do you think he gets it? Uh, you know, what, what's your take on, on the big fella season he's having? He's just, he's been sensational, man. He he's been incredible. Um, I'm I'm so amazed at the fact that he's become an even better player. I I didn't expect that. I don't think anyone really did. Yeah. Uh, after last season, he was just that good. But he's added more to his game. He's become more more of a screener. He's now a transitional player, which I never thought would be a thing. But sure enough, he is, and he's made leaps and bounds as a passer as well. Um, so it really just speaks volumes to the player Joel is and the work that he's put in um, that he's become a better player because he could have come in the exact same player as last season and there would be no criticism. There would be no complaints. He was that good, but he didn't. He also improved in those areas that I mentioned. So it's just been incredible to see this guy play uh, really fortunate and, and thankful that he, he's a sixer. Um, but is he the MVP? I, I think it'll ultimately come down to two things. Uh, the MVP award is an award based off of, in my opinion, individual production and also team success. So assuming he can stay healthy, we know he's capable of putting up those numbers. You're talking about a guy that's averaging near 30 and 10, which is ridiculous, right? So individual production, he's got it. But where the Sixers finish is going to be very crucial to his MVP case. Uh, there's not many MVPs in, in NBA history that have won the award when they're not a top three seed. I yeah. think the most recent example of that was Russell Westbrook with the Thunder. I think they were a six seed and he averaged a triple double, which at that time was unheard of. So ultimately, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Can Joel remain healthy? Hopefully he can. And can the Sixers kind of finish out and finish as a top three seed? And if both of those things happen, I think he has a really compelling MVP case because whether or not you agree with it, there's voters fatigue in the NBA. They don't like handing out MVPs over and over to the same person. Yep. And if you look at the two guys that are mentioned alongside of them right now, you got Giannis, who's already won. I believe he won two. And you got Jokic, who won one last year. So it's kind of Joel's turn to kind of win that, whether or not you agree with it. So. Ultimately, it comes down to that. If he stays healthy and if the Sixers finish a top three seed, I think he, it's his award to really lose. Yeah, I think that's a stellar point. One I've been making as well. Like, um, I, th I think it's Joel's time per se, you know, and, um, you know, he deserves it. He deserves it. I just hope he stays healthy um, and plays enough games. Uh, shout out to Seth with the $2 donation. He says, would love Josh Hart on the team. Hot take Ben retires. <laughs> Tell you, man, it's not as far fetched as everyone may think. Like, I don't know. It, there's just a lot of off the court stuff, but uh, shout out to Harrison for coming on the show, man. I really do appreciate the time. Shout out to all the viewers in the chat. Still got 300 plus. Hit that like wherever you're watching. Subscribe to the channel. Definitely check out Harrison on Twitter. Harrison underscore Grim does great uh, content coverage. Um, writes for Liberty Ballers as well, and he's you know every single game like this guy's a diehard, uh, putting out the content, keeping up with everything, um, and he knows his stuff. So definitely. Uh, Check him out on Twitter and check out his work as well. And and thank you for taking the time to come on and chat with us today, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in a couple of days. I, I hope for, you know, Sixers fans and, and everyone's sake that there's good news, whether that's in the form of a Ben trade or not. Uh, but we'll just wait and see. I mean, it's trade deadline season. The rumors are flying. It, it's a great time to be an NBA fan, but. Thank you uh, for allowing me to come on. I really do appreciate it. I'm a big fan of your show. You've been doing tremendous work as well. So awesome job. And also thank you to the chat. Like this chat, I'm, I'm reading the chat to, to the right where, oh no, this side. Yeah. Um, I, I'm reading it. You, you got a great chat, man. You got a great community here. They're, they're saying some funny things also, saying a lot of knowledgeable and, and great yeah. questions. So this has been great. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Capturing the voice of the fans. Shout out to everybody for showing some love. You guys have a great night. 
Uh, we'll catch you back on the next one, man. Couple days ago, couple days ago, 74 hours. Let's go, man. Sixers hashtag make the trade. You guys have a great one. Peace.